absolutely. Uh, well, um, uh, as, as you have already so eloquently uh, said, my name is David Giuliano, and it has been the greatest privilege of my ministry uh, to be the lead pastor uh, at First Sebring Church uh, for these past seven years. Um, it will be seven years uh, in, in June. That's awesome. So we all remember if we lived in Florida during that time, um, I don't even remember what year it was at this point, um, but Hurricane Irma. Um, and I had, you know, the honor of working uh, with the conference during this hurricane. And First Sebring was one of the churches that responded right away. Um, you all were just absolutely incredible in caring for your community. Um, I mean, we could go into stories about what you all did for your community for, for days. It was really incredible. Um, and then the same thing with the pandemic. You know, you all didn't shut your doors to the community, things like that. You all responded to the need of your community right away. Why is it so important and why is it a priority um, for you all, especially for Sebring, to care for your community um, during a crisis? Um, Molly, if you don't mind, I'd, I'd really love to tell a little bit of the story of how our hurricane uh, relief efforts uh, develop. I, I will never forget the night that Hurricane Irma hit us here in Sebring and Highlands County. And you know, the first day, I think we were just all in shock. And then when the second day dawned, my wife, Allison, turned to me and said, well, we can't just sit here in the house in the dark in the heat. You know, we've got to get out and help folks who are worse off than we are. And so I called the lady who coordinates, uh, who coordinated our kitchen uh, at the time. And I said, you know, Diane, how do you feel about cooking? And she said, I'll be there in 30 minutes. And we started cooking spaghetti and meat sauce and we had no electricity, uh, but we had gas. And man, was it hot no AC, gas burners at full blast. Thank the Lord, power was restored uh, to the church the next day. But most residents were without power from eight to 10 days. And so we started feeding people. And in the end, I think we served over 10,000 hot meals and made over 10,000 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, and there were other churches around that heard about what we were doing and the supplies just started showing up, churches with whom we had no relationship. I mean, to this day, I don't know how um, they heard about it. And so in many ways, it was almost an accident on our part, you know, God's providence, obviously on his part, but it wasn't something that, that we planned. And then when, then the, then the repairs started and the team started showing up from around the conference and, and from around the country. And we were very, very blessed to have had the facilities to, to host them. So the whole thing really just took on a life of its own. And I found myself trying to keep up rather than trying to orchestrate um, anything. Um, so we know that First Sebring has an incredible outreach and response ministry. What currently are you all doing for your community um, or what have you been doing during the pandemic for your community? Yeah, well, primarily I'd, I'd say there are two important components to our outreach and response ministries. And, and the first is our feeding ministry. And maybe, maybe I can touch on our fresh expressions later if we have time. But when we first started at the beginning of the pandemic, we had trouble 
gaining any traction. Uh, we partnered with the local food bank. Uh, we tried to do our own distribution. And I think it's fair to say that it was really a bit of a bust. Uh, we had we had very few people show up. We ended up loading most of the food into the back of a pickup and taking it to the community and, and, and knocking on doors. But what was a game changer for us was being approached by a church member who sits on the board of United Way. They had a partnership with Feeding Tampa Bay, and they had access to federal grant, a federal grant program that enabled us, enabled us to become a feeding site with plenty of food and funding. So we are now a contracted partner with Feeding Tampa Bay and United Way, which enables us to distribute over 10,000 pounds of food twice a month. So since we've joined, since we've joined the Fill the Table movement in February, we have distributed 43,477 pounds of food. So we're excited about that. Wow, that is so awesome. And um, I just love seeing the logo that you've taken to kind of talk about um, the Fill the Table ministry, food distribution that you've started. I really think that is innovative and awesome. Well, you, you know, I, I think there's no point um, ignoring the elephant in the room. There, we are a divided denomination right now. And there are a lot of things as United Methodists that we strongly and passionately disagree about. However, you know, I remember the words of Mr. Wesley who, who um, preached a sermon and used the scripture out of context, but it's still good. It still works. Um, if thine hand, if thine heart is as my heart, give me thy hand. And where there are things that we can agree upon, then we should be working together. And wherever we are in the theological spectrum, everyone can agree that we need to feed our hungry neighbors. The important thing, however, is, is why we're doing it. And if I have the opportunity, I'd, I'd like to touch on that. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, um, I think now as we um, are like looking at, you know, how people have started outreaches in the past year mm -hmm. and uh, what made it, you know, possible, I think the whole, um, the whole idea of like working with um, partnerships and growing those connections is really important. Mm -hmm. um, could you kind of go into that a little bit uh, more about how important these part partnerships that, um, have become and how we can really like grow those relationships and connections that we have outside of the church? Well, I mean, first of all, we couldn't do what we're doing without our partnership with United Way and feeding Tampa Bay, it just it just wouldn't be possible. Mm -hmm. uh, could we do what we're doing, you know, without fill the table? Yeah, we could, but I think that there is always value in partnerships. Mm -hmm. There is always value in being a part of something bigger than yourself. So you know, I think that you know, being a partner with fill the table adds value to what we are uh, what we are doing and i and i think that's important so you know i will always uh look towards when we're doing uh, outreach and response to partnering uh with others 
who are, are like-minded, who, as Mr. Wesley would say, whose heart is as my heart in, in that particular, uh, in, in that particular uh, moment. So yeah, so I, I think that's, I think that's really important. Um, you know, I think we should always avoid the, the Lone Ranger mentality or doing things uh, because uh, people might notice us or invite us to be a part of a podcast or, you know, give us a pat on the back. Um, and so that's why I think partnerships are important as a synergy that, mm -hmm. that is created for, uh, you know, for kingdom purposes. And I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we're just, you know, these partnerships that we've made along the way with build a table has given us the ability to have these conversations and learn about different perspective and different ministries and different ideas. And that can only, you know, make us better <laughs> in the grand scheme of, of the, you know, the world that we live in. Um, so when thinking about the meals that you like give out and um, the kind of ministry that's happening, especially around feeding, um, what do you think like meals truly do for those that are in need and aren't struggling? You know, it, it's hard for us, um, those of us who are privileged, um, and that includes the three of us and probably most of the people who are listening to even imagine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think, I don't think any of us have ever truly been hungry before. And, and like I say, I'm guessing most people who are listening to this have never experienced real hunger. I mean, when you can't put food on the table, you know, and, and you've got kids, and you have to look into their faces and tell them there won't be anything for dinner. I mean, I, I just, I mean, I really cannot imagine. So, you know, part of being um, under contract with, with our partners, you know, part of this partnership means that we have to keep track of the total number of, of households and adults and children uh, for whom we've provided food. So, you know, we know that we have, since we started in February, that we have provided food for 560 children. And, and I can only imagine that it makes all the difference in the world. Wow, 560 children. Um, we, we forget about those, those little guys so much. So, mm -hmm. wow, wow. Um, and that's just since February? Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. Um, so we know that God calls us to serve our neighbors. Um, we, that's one of our, our big things in the Methodist world is to serve our neighbors, love our neighbors, um, care for our neighbors. What do you believe that God is calling us to do for our neighbors? And this doesn't have to be just in this pandemic, right? but you know, what, what do you believe mm -hmm. God is truly calling us to do for our neighbors? Well, I mean, hopefully this, this, this won't be too controversial and this will be what, what Emily referred to as a different perspective um, because my answer might be different from the answer that others who are listening might give. But I know, I don't believe, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is calling us as United Methodists to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Hopefully that should sound familiar to people. And if we're not doing that while we're feeding our neighbors, we are just wasting our time, our energy, and our resources. You know, yes, we're commanded to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, provide shelter, but that's not the mission. And, and that's where I think, I think a lot of United Methodists have lost the plot. 
And so we are engaging the folks who are coming for food by inviting them to church. We have a prayer tent set up that folks have to pass. They don't have to stop, but they have to pass it on their way out. And some of these folks are coming to worship, but we are providing as many opportunities for people to engage with a worshiping community as possible. And that's where the fresh expressions come in. And so we've got a coffee house church on Saturday nights. We've got a dinner church uh, every other Friday. And get this, we have started a pub church in a local bar every other Friday. And I went last Friday uh, for the first time and I just thought, man, this is so cool. This is exactly what Jesus would do if he were here. Now, John Wesley, I'm not so sure he'd actually be in the bar, but we have, oh, and the other exciting thing is that we have nearly an acre uh, in the back of our property and we have plowed it up and we are creating a community garden to start a farm church. And so we are really, really excited about that. That's incredible. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've not heard of a farm church. Um, now you have. <laughs> mostly Central Florida. So, yes. Well, incredible. I mean, the, you know, um, the, we talk about contextualization, you know, the importance of contextualization. You know, Sebring is a county seat town, but it, it, it sits in the middle of a very rural county. And so a lot of the, I mean, you don't have to drive more than a mile or two and you are in the country, you are, you know, you are in cattle pastures and orange groves. And so there's a lot of agriculture here. Yeah. Well, I love that. You're really reaching to so many different, like, it's not just one thing. It's, you know, you're in the pub. You're not going to get the same people that are in the pub that are going to be at the farm church. Definitely. So yeah, that's incredible. Um, you, you brought up earlier that, you know, when you first started the feeding program at the beginning of the pandemic, you called it a mm. flop. Um, it was a bust. A bust, a bust, <laughs> <laughs> a bust. Yeah. But, you know, look at where you're at now, you know? Mm. So we have so many churches that are struggling to mm -hmm. figure out how to keep, you know, anything going. Mm -hmm. um, for feeding ministry, what yeah. advice or um, wisdom would you all give to them um, as they either continue or look at what they're doing? Uh, two pieces of advice. And the first one is keep the mission primary. Several years ago, I read a blog by uh, uh, Pastor Shane Bishop that really convicted me. And the title was Doing Good to Death. And doesn't that describe a lot of United Methodist congregations? Yeah. So, so, you know, we do not see ourselves as a group of social justice warriors. You know, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And if you can't do that while you're feeding your neighbors, then you either need to change your MO or you need to stop doing it. You know, as, as harsh as that sounds, you don't need to be feeding people if you're not making disciples while you're doing it, because that's the mission. And my second piece of advice is, is don't get up, give up. You know, you may experience initial setbacks, you probably will. You know, it may take time for the word to get out. But if you persevere, people will begin to come. And the last feeding that we had uh, a week ago, Saturday, we had 67 cars. 
we serve 97 households and 361 people. So stick with it. Yeah, uh, stick with it. I think that is the message for this whole year, really, when we are learning <laughs> how to use Zoom and how to use new technology, um, yeah. stick with it. And those, those, those things will finally, you know, come together. Um, thinking about your own congregation in the, um, I know I read that y'all had like the most volunteers that you've had. Um, at this last feeding event. Um, so looking at your congregation and all the um, fresh expressions that are happening, how do you see God moving in your congregation to you know, grow those, those acts of service and the real example of Christ in, in them? Well, I mean, I truly see what is happening right now, transforming our church family at First Sebring. When, you know, when you begin feeding and serving um, and giving, um, you know, over the past two years, we have purchased 16 acres in Tanzania. We just completed an orphanage named after my wife, Allison, uh, last week that will house 55 children and educate many, many more. Uh, we just bought five acres in the Serengeti National Reserve. I mean, if that just doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. We are building the largest church uh, in that whole area. Um, and, and what I see is, is that health um, that includes things like service, generosity, um, faith sharing, it's contagious. It's exciting. And when God begins to move in your congregation, I don't ever have to ask people for money. I don't ever have to ask people to volunteer. All I have to do is stand up in the front and say, this is what God is doing. And people get excited about that and they want to be a part of it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not something you can manufacture. You know, I have served unhealthy churches for most of my ministry. I, I, I won't lie. Um, and, and Lord knows I've tried, you know, to bring health to those congregations, um, frankly, without success, but there's just something that, and, and, you know, and this is not a biblical word and it's not a theological word, but when God puts the right person in the right place at the right time, that's when the magic happens. And I'm just so excited that, that I get to be the guy who just happened to stumble into the right place. At the, I didn't stumble, you know, God put me here. But um, it's exciting. Every day, I just pinch myself, you know, am I really the pastor for Sebring? You know, do I really get to do this um, this week? Um, and so, you know, just pray. It takes a lot of prayer. You know, pray and just, if you ask God to use you, boy, um, crazy things happen. And if you ask God to use you and you mean it, um, incredible things happen. You know, mountains, mountains move, but you got to pray and you got to mean it. And you, you got to position yourself. You got to put yourself in the right place to be used by God. And, and I just think that's what, I think that's what the people here at First Sebring have done. Um, I don't know if that's helpful or not. <laughs> It is very helpful. So um, 
I mean, like I said earlier, I had the honor of seeing how, like the incredible work that the people for Sebring you all did after Hurricane Irma. So um, we know that you have many stories about people that have been impacted um, by your ministries at First Sebring. Uh, is there a story that sticks out to you um, about a life or a family um, that you have served through these ministries that um, the impact of these ministries that have had mm -hmm. on their, their lives um, either, and it could be from Hurricane Irma or the pandemic. Yeah. So. yeah. I, you know, I, I think, I think rather than a story about people, would just be to tell you a brief story about how I see a lot of this happening. And this is gonna sound really strange. And, and to some people, it, it may sound a little weird and a little spooky. At the beginning of the pandemic, I really struggled with where things were going to go and how this was going to impact um, my congregation and whether or not we would come out of this even on the other side. And it wasn't an audible voice, you know, just before you, you know, before you call the bishop or, you know, social services or have me locked up or whatever. <laughs> but, but I definitely, I definitely and clearly heard God speak to me. And he said to me, he said, Giuliano, he said, I'm going to grow your church, but it may not necessarily be more butts on pews on a Sunday morning. There's going to be a little church over here in the barbershop. There's going to be a little church over here meeting in the school. There's going to be a little church meeting over there in a bar. There's going to be a little church meeting over there in, in a garden. And I believed it but I didn't really see how it was going to happen. You know, I'd had this community garden idea, for example, for years, and I just, it couldn't, I'd never gain any traction with it. You know, I didn't have the right, the right person. And all of a sudden, you know, God's timing is always perfect. And it is almost never our timing. It's almost never when we want things to happen. But if you pray, if you persevere, if you just, if you stick with things, if you don't give up, on that God-sized dream that, that he's given you. Um, and then um, we started the Coffee House Church. And then one day, uh, somebody who's actually a Facebook friend messaged me and said, you know, hey, I know this great uh, licensed local pastor who's just moved, he's just relocated to, uh, to, to the Sebring area. You ought to call him. And, um, and I did. And we ended up hiring him. And I got to tell you, he was absolutely nothing that I prayed for. <laughs> and he won't mind me saying that. Uh, you know, I prayed for the young hip guy with the hair and the goatee and the guitar. And he's, he's none of that. Yeah. He's a year older than me. Um, he's got a background in the hospitality uh, industry. I think it's probably fair to say he's a little rough around the edges. And again, I don't think he would mind me saying that. Um, and he's everything that I'm not. And um, I just remember, you know, one of my favorite prayers finishes with these lines. It says, I got nothing that I asked for and everything that I needed. 
And this guy and I are, his name is Pastor Rich. We're like yin and yang. You know, we, we are complete opposites. You know, I'm, I'm sort of the retiring, um, polished, seminary trained, you know, clergy person. And he is rough and ready. He will talk to anybody. He will do anything. He will try. He's, he's out there. And, and he's just the perfect compliment. And all of a sudden, all of the dreams that I had, all of the, you know, all the God ideas that I had that just couldn't gain any traction, just boom, 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 boom. They're all happening. And, you know, and this is just all part of, of God's timing. When you put the right people in the right place at the right time, the magic happens. And, I, and, and, and Emily and Molly, I am just riding the wave here at First Sebring. I feel like I am just riding the wave, trying to, trying to hold on and, and to keep up. And God whispers to me, hey, you need to start a church back there. You need to plow up a garden and start a church. I do it, you know. When somebody calls us and asks us, hey, would you start a church in our bar? Absolutely, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. So, you know, again, and, and to finally to answer your question, you know, I see lives being transformed, lives being touched that, that we could never have reached before doing church in the traditional way. That's incredible. And I also keep thinking about if after the bust, if you had just stopped um, and not found those partners, then the 43,000, over 43,000 pounds of food would not have gone out. So it's- You know, the, the, the British have a great saying, it's called um, bloody mindedness. And I just have this bloody mindedness that refuses to give up on what I believe is a God-sized dream. And that's, you know, you, you have to learn that. What you, you have to learn to differentiate between a good idea and a God idea. And if it's a God idea, no matter how hard it is or how many setbacks you know you, you experience, you just you just can't give up. That's incredible. So everyone listening to this podcast, watching this video, remember those words, don't give up. Um, well, we are so thankful for your time. Um, but before we close in prayer, which I would love for you to close us in prayer, if that's okay. Yeah. But before we close, is there anything else, any advice, any words of wisdom that you would like to give to those um, listening or watching today? Um, again, I think, um, I would encourage people to, um, first of all, to keep the mission primary. Um, if, if, if you're not making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, while you're feeding the hungry, uh, clothing the naked, providing shelter for the homeless, whatever it is you're doing, whatever good it is you're doing, um, you need to change your MO or you need to quit <laughs> because that's, that's the, keep the mission primary. Um, secondly, learn to discern between a good idea and a God idea. And if you believe God is speaking to you as clearly as I heard him say, I'm going to grow your church, but the, yeah. And, and here's the thing. Um, when you, when you follow the spirits leading, when you follow what God is calling you to do, what you find is that more butts do start showing up on pews as well. Uh, as well. So the church is experiencing growth all over in, in, in every area. Um, and, and that's the byproduct. That's the benefit 
of listening and being faithful and, and being uh, obedient. That, that's what we're experiencing here at First Sebring. Great, thank you so much again. Um, and we would love if you could close us in prayer. And um, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom, your advice. And um, we are grateful that First Sebring is um, part of the mission of the Florida Conference. So um, let's turn it over to you for a word of prayer. Thank you. And just, just a reminder that wisdom comes from mistakes. You know, uh, wisdom comes from trying um, and not succeeding, but, but persevering and, and doing it better or doing it the right way the next time. Um, so, so, Father God, um, we just thank you for this time. Uh, we thank you for uh, all the faithful congregations uh, in the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. Uh, we thank you for their, their efforts uh, to be your hands and feet. Lord, remind us to, that it is how important it is to keep the mission first and foremost in everything that we do. And Lord, just bless those pastors and congregations that find themselves doing good to death and, and wondering why their congregations uh, aren't growing, aren't becoming healthy. Uh, Lord, help us uh, to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ uh, with our neighbors and invite people into that life-changing uh, relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that, that guides us, that directs us, that gives us wisdom. Um, and we just pray that we would be open and attentive to where your spirit is leading us. And, and finally, Father, remind us that where you give vision, you also give provision. And Lord, I thank you for the partnerships that we have been blessed to have with Feeding Tampa Bay and United Way and with Phil, um, the, the table. And, and Lord, I, I just pray that, that those who truly have a vision from you, that you would provide them with the resources necessary uh, to fulfill that vision. So Lord, just keep us faithful, keep us focused, and keep us close, uh, Lord, as uh, we strive to be your people here in the Florida Conference and in the world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.